Welcome back to another episode of FinTech Walkabout. I'm Will from AppTap. We're deep diving into another interesting person's journey and story through open banking. Joined today by Nikos Melikrinos, the founder and CEO of Quirk. Yeah, it'd be great to just get a little bit of yeah. background from you. What's Quirk building? Where have you come from? I know you did a little bit of like economics, a little bit of design, mm -hmm. uh, did some work for Netflix, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Tell us about the story. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, thanks, thanks for having me today. So... I am originally Greek and I went off to the US where I studied economics and I think I always thought I was going to be like a banker mm. probably because <laughs> you know I don't know early 20s 2010s that was the cool thing to do but it's it's interesting how this unraveled post 2008 you know during my time in the summers like I interned at a hedge fund I interned at a bank kind of as an economist and really got a, a sense for the culture and I don't know it didn't really fully feel for me, and I think things that interested me most was income inequality, people's relationship with money, the kind of more like anthropological aspect of it, sure. and thought I could have more of an impact through tech. And so over time, I started you know, delving into entrepreneurship at university, and then after I graduated, I just kind of took a one-way flight to San Francisco. I was like, that's where tech is happening. Yeah, yeah. I slept at a friend's couch for two months. She was at Google at the time, and I was just like interviewing around at, at startups and got my start at a legal tech startup over in SF. And I think just the, the experience of seeing really high growth of a company was just really, really exciting. Yeah. And just seeing like product being built and kind of being like, you know, that kind of number, on number ground. one, exactly. Yeah. And doing a bit of everything. And I, th I think where design side of things came from me is like, you know, I saw startups as having two functions, like sales and product initially. And I didn't fully see myself as a salesperson. I was much more interested in product with a combination of just seeing design-led companies, the Airbnbs of the world, just having like such an edge. Yeah. And so when, when our company got acquired and you know, we got a nice little kind of payout from that, I was like, okay, let me go back to school, did a design degree, and happened to meet my co-founder there, yeah. with which we, we started Quirk together. This was in London, yeah. yeah. This was in London at the Royal College of Art. And, you know, we, I think we bonded over kind of shared experiences with, you know, our own financial education. Yeah. I had the experience of being more of an insider, having worked in, you know, the, the, the finance field and being very in touch with, with apps and, and investing early on. And my co-founder, more of the kind of, you know, female perspective, like she just felt no one ever told her about investing yeah. and kind of going into your late 20s and late professional life and never have invested and so that's kind of like the initial inspiration for us to create yeah. quirk so you bootstrap quirk for the most part we were actually very lucky where we the very first bootstrap money we got was essentially funded it was through yeah. telefonica we had created a relationship while we were students and by the time we graduated they were like you know here's like 25k to like get started start building something nice yeah. and that that took away you know a big sort of Part of the you know you're starting with literally nothing. nothing yeah because then we just went into the pandemic so it 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 really made a difference yeah, yeah. so what's that i mean starting out we were able to like walk down the street and like shake people and be mm. like what do you think of this thing mm. and obviously it was crap and people yeah were like yeah you know some people really didn't hold back mm. some people were super constructive yeah. and others were like not interested yeah see you later What's that been like? What's that kind of journey, that experience in terms mm. of how you get th stuff in front of people? Mm, mm. You know, you've got a big Gen Z focus, yeah, so yeah. lots of social yeah. stuff, I imagine. Yeah, so at the start of it, especially, it was, you know, like 
we went down, you know, exhibition road at, at Imperial yeah. and RCA yeah. with like pieces of paper and just chatting to people. Yeah. We, we've done that and it's part of the founder journey. We also early on tried doing just like ad testing, you yeah. know, we created like four or five different like fake businesses, like totally fake websites, yeah. you know, through like 50 to 100 pounds behind each and just saw the conversion and yeah. started to get a sense of, okay, what, what are people actually sort of clicking on? And that helped frame the, the, the initial product. And what really did it for us is when we kind of created this idea of this like money personality test, yeah. we created a, initially a very janky version of it, put it out there and like, you know, 2000 people did it. And we're like, okay, there's something there. And then when we made this sort of more complex version of it and we put it on Product Hunt, we had 20,000 people do it. Sure. And that created initial sort of mass once we then got into more the, you know, the app version of Quark today, which, you know, went more into like proper like personal finance management. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be a pretty, you know, I remember getting the first like 500 beta mm. signups on our original yeah. app and it was God, it was garbage. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty exciting time. So yeah. how's, how's that yeah. been? And, you know, you and I have talked a little bit mm -hmm. about like founders, mental health and stuff. Yeah. How was that kind of mentally, socially? What kind of mindset have you had to keep yourself yeah. in through that? That's a good question. I think, you know, especially very early on, you know, you have such a high tolerance for failure, I would almost say, like yeah. where you, you kind of know that things are not working perfectly. And even like the smallest win, even getting you know, a hundred users. Yeah. I remember the day we got like a, the hundredth user and I was like, wow, the, you know, make it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't have the pressure of like, you know, oh, I'm already at this point and I need to maintain my growth rate. Sure. Like yeah. it's all, you're still kind of like a kid in a sense. And I think that helped, you know, and we were very kind of open to being iterative, you know, yeah. just launching slowly, not having to have a perfect thing and making mistakes. You know, yeah. I think I found out that people are a lot more forgiving you know, even if you do like a, a mess up and if you explain it to them or if you're vocal about it and with your content and your story and you're just not trying to hide anything. Yeah, that that helped, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, we've even to this day, we experience the same mm -hmm. things. You get yeah. customers coming on our customer support saying, you know, what's going on yeah. with this? Like, yeah. where's my broadband switch? At? Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, it's now in the hands of your new yeah. provider. We can walk you through what those steps look mm. like. But you know, and just having that open conversation has just changed the game for yeah. us. Yeah, whereas I'm just gonna, I'm just going to add on that, you know, now that we're like in the, you know, thousands of users, like and we're, we're closing in on like 10,000, like it's a very different ball game because it's like the, the pressure. You've got sunk costs in there, right? <laughs> You've got this yeah. foundation. To yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, you, you don't want to do, a, have a big product issue that might like lose a lot of people, but you, I think it's also just the pressure towards like investors mm. to like keep growing and making sure your channels are working and you're discovering new ones, you know, because especially like in a consumer play, yeah. you know, you need, the top of funnel needs to move a lot. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving target. So obviously both of our businesses are built mm. off the back of open banking mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. centered around personal financial management, seeing this big transition into, you know, away from screen scraping mm. into API led. Mm. Kind of how did that influence your decision in starting Quark yeah. itself? Yeah, you know, just the idea that open banking was happening and it was just opening the world of transactional and financial data was very exciting uh -huh. because, you know, I, I had seen while I was living in the U.S. how through screw sc screen scraping, like the companies like Mint.com, for example, you know, really brought a great proposition to market that a yeah. lot of people loved. And so I 
I, I thought that what was happening with open banking was super cool because it, it now gives the ability to just, you know, innovate away from the banks because, you know, banks app is, is terrible. You know, it gives you nothing. And so I, I thought it was a great opportunity to use our background in, in tech and design to really do more with that data, you know, whether... You know, open banking has some issues around how that actually executes, for sure. Mm. But but still, you know, it, it was a step that meant, okay, we can now actually do something. Sure. So that, you say do something. Yeah. That could probably mean just about anything yeah. in open banking, whether yeah. that's yeah. account information services, data mm-hmm. analytics, there's payment initiation yeah. services, there's open finance as a mm-hmm. concept. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about how those concepts, those technical structures, the, the regulatory requirements yeah. kind of intersect. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, I, I think it's good that as far as like, you know, what open banking means today is your current and your current account, basically, and your credit cards, right? In, in, in the plainest terms, sure. like yeah. what, what kind of accounts you can connect with. The data component means you're just getting transactional data. Uh, we've been based off that primarily. And what I like about it a lot is that we can tell users, hey, we're plugging into, you know, your account, but we can't move money around. And just, you know, because obviously a lot of people struggle with the idea of, like, giving access to their account. They don't know what it means. But yeah. being able to say, like, hey, we can't move money around makes makes a big difference okay. for the sense of, like, trust and safety. Yeah. You know, then the next component of payments, because it lives separately, allows to do the, you know, one-offs or, or, or whatnot. And then open finance... I look at it as all the same thing. You know, we're calling it open finance, but it's, you know, open, open data, data yeah. in financial services. So the sooner all these other services get incorporated into what the open banking has created, the better. I know it's, from a regulatory point of view, it's going to take time. But what, at least for us to be able to operate, there's a lot in the, in the industry of, like, using other people's licenses to get you to market. Yeah. And, you know, that was our approach. And sure. that, that, that works well so, so- far. So the longer term, yeah. building payments in, is that like a... Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. We, we're, we're now, you know, chatting to, to our provider and we're looking at adding payments because I think it's interesting as well with like the sweeping use case, like how someone might be able to pay off their credit card yeah. through our app sure. and start doing more things. And you're adding more value, creating less of a need to go into your, your, your banking app, spend more time at Quark, do more of everything. And also just automate, you know, we can be like, hey, your, your credit card, you know, balance is due. You need to pay it so you don't pay X amount of interest. We can create those types of experiences, which are huge. I think obviously the big thing with the big problem with financial services has been, you know, the, the lack of knowledge on the user's part mm-hmm. and potentially financial services prying on that lack of knowledge. Sure. And so the more we can expose information and, and actionable information, the better. Okay. Yeah. So we had Alex Barkley in the other day from mm. HSBC Ventures to be specific. Yeah. But he's talking about how large financial institutions could become this like gateway for other products and services mm-hmm. and these actionable items. What kind of what do you think sets something like Quirk aside? Is mm. it this element of being once removed from mm. being a bank and mm. being able to mm kind of manage all yeah. of these different things or yeah. kind of what's the thinking in that? Because the term super app yeah. gets thrown around a yes. lot. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I think user experience and language matters so much in the world of financial services. And, you know, what, what's interesting is because, yeah, there are these like building blocks 
of financial services, but now there's all these APIs. And so the, you, you can kind of operate in this layer where you're using, you know, Lego pieces from others. Yeah. And so how you deliver it and what the UX is becomes almost the most important in a way yeah. because the, the underlying is interchangeable, you know, like the investing capabilities or lend capabilities are becoming commoditized. So I think for, for us, that's where we have a huge edge by bringing a design first approach and speaking the language of our users, right? In terms of like tone of voice, like how we approach them, which I, th I think already, you know, the neobanks did in a good way, but it, it, it kind of goes, you know, yeah. More, but they hit a critical mass, right? Yes. Yeah. To your point earlier about the ability to take risk mm -hmm. after a certain scale. Yeah, exactly. You know, are they going to be able to continue mm. doing that? Yeah. And, you know, I'd be keen to get your take on kind of how how you feel banks have responded to this mandate because mm. you're using. Yeah. Alluded to it earlier, touched on it a little bit. You know, you're using things like behavioral science or, or cohort mm -hmm. analysis or yeah, you know, this was it the financial profile right. of, of yeah. the customer yeah. to yeah. shape your proposition. How, does, how do you think all that kind of mm. melds together? Mm. So, I mean, a few things. How have banks responded to the mandate? Um, poorly, for the most part. I would <laughs> We've had a couple of bankers and, <laughs> yeah. and others, I think, would beg to differ, but yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can understand from their perspective with the limitations of their organization, they've mm. done a good work, but you have the limitations of their organization. You know, it, it took how long to sort of deliver the APIs and, and things getting pushed back and downtimes and whatnot. I think, you know, one of the probably main issues of this technology is that it's effectively kind of, you know, chaperoned from the non-tech institutions. Sure. So, you know, there's a bit of a mismatch there where, mm. you know, like you want to innovate, but you're you're kind of, contingent upon a bank and a regulator, you know, setting the foundation for you. I think that's, that's the, the tricky bit. It's ironic. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. It totally is. And we can, I have some more thoughts on that. I think we'll get into it. As far as for us, yeah, you know, we combine financial data, we do the personality test. So we have like more personality data and then actual behavioral data in the app. And we try to combine all those together in terms of how we deliver insights or how we recommend like an action. Sure. And it, it's interesting how that now is, I think, going also into the, the world of credit increasingly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, just purely open banking data to, to give you access to credit. I think now also behavioral data giving access to, to credit. So I think it's interesting how, how that develops over time. It totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we saw Apple's obviously. Yeah. Um, buying true buying, open, uh, uh, credit kudos. Yes, yeah. credit yeah. kudos. That for me is just a no-brainer. Mm. Like we speak to merchants all the time. Mm. And we're saying, I know that you know Will Billingsley's paying his energy bill yeah. every month on time. Mm. You heard me. Why yeah. can't we switch this person just because they've mm. got like below mm. average mm. credit? Like they're mm. still they're committed to spending yeah. or paying those yeah. big bills. And so you know, I think we're looking at kind of how do we help people ring fence mm. that mm. and take that off to a merchant. And, mm. Mm trying to help them get better deals, yeah. not just a switching thing, yeah. but like a, and not just a renegotiation yeah. thing, but a kind of a relationship, right? Mm. A commitment in that. How do you think, so I was speaking to someone the other day who's done a lot in our realm, the comparison mm -hmm. switching mm. space, Yeah, you know, had a pretty healthy exit, all this sort of stuff. It's kind of telling me, you know, we, we tried to do these sorts of things, but people aren't going to their bank to mm. take an action. Mm. They're going there to just like see their money and then they yeah. go off to the dedicated place to take an action. Yeah. Do you see that 
kind of shifting mm. into, especially with you know the yeah. younger demographics. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like sometimes a a, a a journey of a financial decision doesn't happen, you know, in the course of a minute. Sure. Might yeah. happen over the course of a month. So where you get the inspiration, where you get the nudge, but where you execute the final action might change. Yeah. Um, and especially because, you know, I, I think people experience a lot of inertia when it comes to financial decisions, primarily because, you know, it, it can be mentally taxing or it can be like practically just like, you know, you just have just to, pain in the ass. Yeah, you know, yeah. deal with so much <laughs> data and crap. So I, I think, you know, I, I put a, a big emphasis on, on an, a good education and, and we do that, you know, through more tailored content, bite-sized content, but also bringing it at the kind of time and place where it, it makes sense in yeah. a way. Yeah. And, you know, the more you can be proactive and kind of call out something for, for the user and be like, hey, you know, you could be saving this much at this or like based yeah. on your consumption, you know, I've done the behind the scenes and I'm presenting you with this, with this kind of improved situation. <clears throat> I think that that's kind of a, a lot more interesting, you know, because you need to, <laughs> you need to handhold someone a lot yeah, before yeah. they can actually do the, the switch. And it, it takes a lot. I think the more you can improve the switching experience, the more you will be able to bring it in our app. Sure. And I know that's some great work that you're doing, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. which I mean, is super you know, important. Yeah. My kind of take on that is yeah. we'll hit a ceiling eventually. Mm. And, you know, you look at someone like yourselves or a financial institution, mm. how do we make that experience better for you yeah. to be able to present that mm. through a fintech user experience, yeah. but also then the merchant at the end, you know, whether that's a financial services provider yeah. or a, a lender or just a utilities provider, even mm. like a Netflix, Spotify, whoever. Mm. Mm. How do we make that experience better to kind of, you know, raise the bar, push the ceiling higher, and you know, the customer experience should yeah. follow suit. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're mm. up to in that regard. It's mm. supposed mm. to be about you, not me. Give, giving you your, your plug. <laughs> but to, to plug someone else, like so, so a, a, an interesting company that I met recently, they're called Mina Technologies. They're, mm. they're out from Sweden. Oh, I'm familiar. And yeah, you know, like for, for, <laughs> for someone who might not, like they give you the ability to cancel a yeah. subscription. And what's fascinating is that it requires zero integration more or less from us. They just need for us to tell them like, hey, you know, this is the person, this is their email, and it's a Netflix subscription. Yeah. And they can like instantly cancel it for you, yeah, yeah. which is, 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 is great, you know? And it, it, it's the kind of like use case where it makes so much sense for, for us, for our users, makes it so quick, so easy. And it's, it's one of those moments where like tech kind of feels like magic. You're like, oh, yeah. that, that just happened? Done. You know? Yeah. Amazing. But it goes back to the educational piece as well. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so that kind of, how do you hold a customer's hand through yeah. that? We actually found that a lot of people, like we looked at, you know, Amazon's one-click checkout. Yeah. How do we get there with comparison or switching or mm. Um, mm. negotiating a bill yeah. or even down to cancellation? Mm. And a lot of our consumer-facing or like the tools that we were putting out, the, mm. the feedback we were getting was like, this is just, it's like almost too much. Yeah. It's like too, it's too easy. <laughs> yeah. Like walk me through what this actually means. Mm. Uh, so we, you know, obviously take them out on board and try to kind of restructure some stuff. So uh -huh. yeah. like you said, hold a, yeah. hold a customer's hand through it. And I think that's it's important to, you know, it's your educational piece. Exactly. But also this, this experiential part of, of, of finances, you know, I always liken it to how 
air, airline, or, you know, kayak.com, you know, where they do mm. flight comparison, they, they had to add fake loading time to the results because, yeah, otherwise too quick and people are like, oh, I'm not getting the best deal. This, you know, this was versus like, they just have the database. They have the data available. Yeah, and it's just, it's like, just an Excel spreadsheet. You know? Yeah. And so we, we've seen some interesting dynamics, you know, like th- th- this is a little bit towards like future looking, but I'm considering some propositions around like, like DeFi and, and crypto. Yeah. And, you know, people are getting really high yields over there. But what, what's interesting is that, you know, once you start kind of trying to explain it to, like, someone who's not crypto native, sure. when you tell them, like, oh, you know, you can get, like, 10 15% by staking or, you know, lending your stable coins, they're going to be like, that's a scam. Yeah, yeah. We don't get those returns. <laughs> but they don't know the mechanics of how it works. But if you tell them, like, okay, we'll give you, a, you know, a 5%, yeah. that's more palatable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like, oh. Okay, nice. I can believe that. Yeah. So it's like this, you know, this interesting like filtering where you're doing, where you're just kind of, you know, presenting in a way that it makes sense to someone and it's believable and they can trust it. It's getting bespoke at scale, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what's been your kind of biggest challenge? Yeah. I guess? And not just in what we're talking about now, but yeah. setting up Quirk as a mm. whole. I mean, it's just yeah. so many, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Starting a company is just a series of problems. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> and so it's all about, you know, what is your willingness to face and overcome those problems. Mm. And I think that that's kind of what might end up make you successful for some some of the, the part. Had a lot of issues around fundraising. You know, we, we started this at the very start of the pandemic, you yeah. know. Yeah. Investors were not talking to super early stage, high risk businesses. And similarly now with how the investing landscape has changed again, yeah. you know, it's, it's made fundraising tricky. In, in addition, I think things like, you know, product can be a lot trickier than you expect. Like things break yeah. all the time. And especially when for consumer, I think the, the kind of baseline of what the experience needs to be is, is, is a lot higher. So I think that's that's a component where like we have really high standards and so you know you want to make sure it's just like the loading is incredible like everything is like showing up right yeah. you're you know you're presenting the transaction data you're analyzing it in the right way you know people really b- get bugged if you categorize their credit card payment as a payment and it's like double yeah. count in their budget so e- even little kinks like that into like product issues and then hiring is hard hiring is hard it's very hard, yeah. you know, getting getting really good, stellar people who also, like, at the very early stages, are yeah. willing to kind of work in the in as a founder almost, you know, and, yeah. and, and give their everything in it. But you know, it's it's again, you know, I'm, those are real challenges that most startups from zero to one face, and you know, you you just deal with them and you find solutions and yeah. you make mistakes. Just how quickly you're going to like learn from them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, products. I mean, all of those yeah. I'd resonate on. It seems mm-hmm. pretty black and white in the funding space at the moment. Mm-hmm. You're either raising like ludicrous yeah. amounts of money or, or none at all. Uh-huh. But you take feedback in the wrong way, and suddenly mm-hmm. you're you've gone completely down the wrong path. Yeah. So, you know, hyper important. Conscious of time. So, quickly, do you think it's a bit of a change of tack? Mm-hmm. But we talked about customer education. Yeah. We've talked obviously about the benefits of open banking, some of the challenges. Do you think it matters whether or not mm. people actually know what open banking is? Yeah. It's funny. I saw a Forbes piece recently. They were, they were kind of talking about the, the acquisition of Credit Kudos. Yeah. And that, you know, the, 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 the author was just like open banking you know, for whoever even knows what that is. Yeah. And it's, it's a tricky one. I think 
for early adopters, potentially people who are, you know, a lot more lax with their data, not so much. But I think towards like mainstream, you know, uptake, you need it because, you know, we are talking about sensitive data and it takes people some time to sort of get comfortable, especially given how you've, you know, grown up with your experience with financial yeah. services. Never share your uh, data. Yeah. yeah. Never share passwords. You know, what you call it, how you describe it, less important. But I do think it's, imp it's, it's necessary for people to know over time. But just to kind of provide, though, the, the, the counter, though, right? Like in the crypto world, you know, like a, a crypto wallet is de facto permissionless and open and can plug into any service, right? So, you know, there the mindset right from the start is, f yeah, flipped on its head. So, But the generation who's really going to pick up mm. open banking is probably the same generation mm -hmm. who's really going to pick up crypto yeah. and run with it. So, yeah, yeah. You know, is it more about the value than it is about the... Oh, yeah, of course, of course. It is It is this exchange of value. What do you expect you're going to get out of it, you know? That's why what's interesting with, with, you know, crypto is that people expect that they're going to become millionaires. So they're going to, they're willing to deal with, like, shitty UX and yeah. all sorts of things, you know? Like, imagine the people early on buying Bitcoin, such a dodgy experience. <laughs> yeah. But just the promise of... of Millions will make you do a lot of things, jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah. So <laughs> he says building a company. Cool. I mean, so throughout our series, we talked to, we were speaking about it earlier, we mm. talked to people in kind of all these different seats around the table. Yeah. TPPs, fintechs, regulators, banks. Mm. What is it from your seat in the table? What is it about open banking or open finance or the industry that's mm. just getting you like, yeah, super pumped up, getting you super excited. Yeah, because there's something getting me super pumped. I mean, some of the new stuff that's coming up, like sweeping and VRP, VRP I think yeah. I think that stuff is, is super cool. Because, you know, just give me more abilities to do cool shit. Yeah. You know, that that's all I sure. want. So something like that. Like, even as simple as, like, yeah, giving a user the ability to pay their credit card from our app yeah. is super exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. But But, again, you know, all this stuff is kind of technologies, and we're, we're just kind of trying to deliver, really, like, you know, we're, we're trying to do, do two things, like demystify finances mm. and give best-in-class tools to manage and grow your money. So, you know, how I do that, what tech I use, do I use standard open banking, do I use some crypto, it's, it's less relevant, it's how can I give you the best tools, right? Sure. So, you know, the, the more growth there is, the more integration of open finance, like stuff that gives me capabilities to do stuff. Because sometimes you can't even know what you'll do with it, right? Like, first you're going to have to have it yeah. and start experimenting and, and, and engage with users. So, yeah, that's cool. what I'd say. Would you label open banking right now success or failure? Yeah, it's a success. It's a success. Like, you know, in the UK, they, they pioneered it, you know, and... They've, they've kind of caused the push globally yeah. for it. You know, does it have a shit ton of problems? Yeah, but it's, it's we'll get there. Yeah. yeah, it's been a success, I would I say. Yeah. You know, we got some pushback. Yeah. Had someone in from the UK finance. Yeah. Just saying, like, the ba banks have spent, like, billions on this. Mm. Imagine what, obviously, the benefit of hindsight, but what could they have done with that money that mm. would have matched or bettered what we've done in open banking? It's yeah. so obviously easy to say now, yeah. but yeah, I, I think most people would agree with you. So what comes next for open banking? What comes next for Cork? What comes yeah. next for you? 
Yeah, for open banking is releasing these these new features and yeah. hopefully smoothly, hopefully on uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we'll well, we'll that's, see. That's already overdue. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far as as us, I'm I'm super excited for the kind of new set of features we're working on. I cool. sort of have hinted a little bit at some of our you know kind of crypto led products that we're getting into, which again is just towards giving users the the best tool regardless of the tech behind it but also what i'm most excited about is being a bit of a bridge between you know crypto but also like the non-native crypto people and giving them some of the benefits from from all the innovation that's happening there so there's super app (laughs) super app sounds like a super app to me (laughs) it it, it quacks like a super app (laughs) it talks like a super app yeah exactly Cool. So where can we find you if people want to reach out or check yeah. out Quark? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, our, our website is quark.money. Go go check out the, the website. Take the money personality test. You can download the app as well. And also check us out on TikTok as well, Quark Money. We do a lot of great, fun content on TikTok. We're having a blast with it. And <laughs> so it's been good fun. Have to check it out. Yeah. Cool. Well, Nikos, a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for joining. Thanks for coming down. Good to see you again. Yeah, thanks for Um, having me. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on this week's FinTech Walkabout. We'll see you next time. Cool.